Welcome to the Campus Outreach Podcast, where we want to equip you to make your college years count for eternity. I'm your host, Tyler Rollison, also known as T-Roll, and I'm once again joined by my good friend and co-host for today's episode, Ben Weber. Ben, how we doing, man? I'm well. Back again, ready to pick up this conversation. Awesome. So last week we talked about uh, how the Bible opposes racism. We talked about one of the more... Uh, toxic conversations, topics, I should say, one of the more toxic topics in our world today, and really how the Bible does a good job of addressing it, and really how, man, like, basically all throughout Scripture, you've seen how racism is around, how it's, it's, it's always been something we've had to deal with. Well, if you listen to last week's episode, you're probably saying, okay, that's great. I'm glad I've got the historical context and the background of how the Bible opposes racism, but, but now what? What do we do now? And Ben, that's what we're going to talk about today, man. We're basically going to break it into kind of three parts. We're going to talk about how we, what we need to know, how we should feel, and then what are we going to do about it, okay? So we're going to try to get as practical as possible, man. You're a really practical guy, Ben. That's it. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Let's, uh, let's jump in, man. What do, what do we need to know moving forward if we're going to fight off this sin of racism? Yeah, and, and I would say most of our college students listening are very action-oriented, they were probably on listening to last week's podcast and just pounding their fist on their table, on their steering wheel, and just saying, Ben, T-Roll, tell me what I need to do. And we'll get there, I for promise. For sure, for sure. But first, we've got to start off with what we need to know. And so much of what you need to know, we covered last week. But we talked about beginning to end, the Bible explicitly rejects racism. Right. And it starts in chapter 1, because in creation— the, the Bible affirms the dignity of all humanity because we're all image bearers of God. Chapter 2, the fall, we would see that every ism, but especially racism, uh, is sinful and causes separation and division. Third, Christ died not only to bear our punishment, but also to unite us with all of humanity. And fourth, restoration. When Christ returns, he will establish a new heavens, new earth that is marked by perfect unity and diversity by all people. So uh, what, what I want to do is just dial in on two things. The Bible also says this, and these are more specific uh, commands and points. And the first is this, is, is that we see all throughout Scripture that God resents or hates uh, public religious behavior without a personal commitment to justice. Mm. Let me say that again. God resents, that means hates. He's outraged by public religious activities without a personal sense of justice. Expand on that, man. Yeah, Jesus says this in Matthew 23. He says, woe, and that means look out, be careful. He says, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites, because you tithe mint, dill, cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you have ought to have done without neglecting the others. Hmm. So Jesus is addressing church leaders, religious men, who are very committed to external religious behavior. They tithe, and they don't just give their money. Okay, They don't just give their hard-earned paycheck. They also go to their spice rack. That's what Jesus is listing out, mint, dill, and cumin, and they tithe from that. Right. All the while, they're neglecting the weightier matters of the law. And so mm-hmm. when Jesus says that there are certain aspects of the law that are weightier, they have to deal with others. And so what these Pharisees were doing, they were showing up in church, They were singing, they were praying, they were taking notes during the sermon, but, okay, they were unwilling to serve, to assist, um, uh, and demonstrate justice and mercy 
in this society. So, and this is all throughout Scripture. I mean, God is constantly calling people out in the Old Testament who, who sing, who make sacrifices, uh, who give away their grain, who give, give away their cattle, and yet they neglect justice and they ne- neglect righteousness. And so the point is this. I think very often we can wow. get caught up in uh, being religious or defining religious maturity by what we do on Sundays, the Bible studies we attend, uh, the, the public religious activities. But, but God is saying, no, there's something weightier. There's something I care about more, and that would be justice and righteousness. Okay? So, and the second thing we got to keep in mind is that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. This comes from 2 Corinthians, and the idea is because, we've already said this, sin divides us, but Jesus unites us. Right. right? Sin separates, Jesus heals. So, in many ways, Jesus is the great reconciler. That's just bringing two people together, mm-hmm. two parties. He brings us in relationship to God. But not only that, we have now been given the ministry of reconciliation. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been entrusted. That means this is an honorable, valuable duty and responsibility you've been given. We need to be about the business of reconciliation because we're followers of Jesus, and he's entrusted this responsibility. Man, that is so good. And I think the biggest application of that is like you, you can't turn a blind eye to it. Like If this is a responsibility that all Christians need to embrace, need to dive into, no one, no Christian should be able to just turn a blind eye to it, right? That's but, right. Yeah, they, they, these are the weighty matters. This is what God really cares about. Right. And when you talk about racism and when you talk about just, you know, hating one culture over another, it's not always the the extremely black and white, like, awful examples of, you know, you know, people getting killed. A lot of times it's, it's the implicit, just never, never seeing it, never caring about it. That really, uh, does a number on someone's just, uh, emotions, right? Absolutely. So, so let's talk about how, uh, how we should feel, right? So as Christians living in this world today, um, man, when you see racism in it, and again, it's everywhere and, and maybe, I don't, I don't want to say it's more prevalent now than it was in the past, but the fact that we have social media and you just, you just see things so much, how should this affect our hearts? Sure. And, and our hearts should be affected. That's probably point number one. We, we yeah. shouldn't be stoic, unmoved, and unchanged. To be honest with you, and, and, and I'd be willing to bet my minority brothers and sisters have experienced uh, deeper emotions than I ever have. But throughout this entire summer, it's been a range of emotions. It's been anger, frustration, disgust, uh, confusion, stress. I mean, just about every emotion, every adjective in the book. I think we've all experienced it uh, somewhere during the course of the summer. So I would say in general, a lot of the college students that I interact with are, are tempted uh, to swing the pendulum from impatience to despair. And so usually what happens is you see a video, you read a headline, and you say, we've got to do something, and we've got to do something now. And and, and so maybe you participate uh, in a protest. Maybe you participate in something online. You try to make a difference. You don't see the results you want, or in just, unfortunately, a couple weeks later, there's another incident. Uh, There's another moment of uh, injustice or police brutality, and immediately we're prone to feel despair. Like, what's the point? Right. Is this all for nothing? There's, I can't change this. This is bigger than me. And, and I would just say the gospel, okay, gives us the ability to be patient but also hopeful. 
Okay, patient and hopeful. We talked about it last week, but we said that Christ will return and he will make everything right. But that's in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, we, we are waiting on Christ to return with his kingdom. But in the meantime, not only do we pray thy kingdom come, but, but we also need to establish, participate in Christ's kingdom expanding, not only in heaven, but also on earth. And so we got to be patient because we got to remember the fall is real. And it's the worst thing that ever happened to you and me. And sin affects everyone, but everything. And that includes nations, governments, peoples, races. There's no such thing as perfect justice anywhere in this world until Christ returns. So that makes us patient because we're waiting for Jesus, okay? And nobody likes to wait. No. <laughs> uh, but at the same so time, uh, we also got to be hopeful. We should never tolerate or accept injustice because God is using us. Remember, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation to renew creation. So this gives us hope because when the Bible describes, specifically the book of Revelation, talks about the eventual return of Jesus, uh, it, it's not up for debate, There's no mites. There's no maybes. It's a foregone conclusion. Jesus will return so we can maintain hope that one day, one day, things are not as they should be, but one day Christ will make it all right. Amen. That's good, man. Um, I think something that's important to, to say here before we get into our last point, and really this is the... This is the meat of what we need to talk about today, just the practical side. What should we do next? What do we need to do about it? You know, we created this podcast to be a resource for college students, as we say at the beginning, to make their their four year, their years on campus count for eternity, right? And a lot of times these podcasts are pretty short, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. So what we're about to get into, we're, we're not going to hit everything that needs to be hit on. No, can't do it. Can't do it. We're going to try to do uh, just a few things, a few practical tips that are helpful. But at the end of the day, this needs to be a conversation that when you're listening to this, you need to, you know, go talk to your roommates about it. Go talk to the people that are on your, uh, on your, uh, in your fraternity, in your sorority, people that are on your team, people that you do Bible study with in your discipleship group and have actual real conversation about about some of these things that we're going to talk to talk about now. So let's get into kind of the simple, let's try to make this as simple and practical as possible, Ben. I think one thing that's really common, you kind of mentioned it, is when there's another instance of injustice or there's another um, story that's trending about truly overt racism, um, what we tend to do is get really fired up and maybe take part in some sort of social media movement or maybe even go to some sort of rally or protest or demonstration. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but a lot of times like you, you do those things and then you finish, you, you move on and there's, there's, you never circle back to it. So if we want to have actual change, if we want to have actual conversation that, um, kind of moves, uh, moves the story forward, um, what are some simple practical things we can do, uh, today and tomorrow to kind of fight off this sin of racism? That's right. I'm going to give you three things, and when this podcast is over, these might seem like three simple and small things, and there's a reason for that. One of the things that Scripture encourages us to remember is not to despise the day of small beginnings, and so I would just say even Christ himself, humble origins, humble beginnings, very often overlooked simple things have world-changing impact, so these are small things but they are critical, effective, transformational practices that you can build into your life. Here's number one. Just ruthlessly eliminate partiality in your own heart. 
Okay? Mm. So we're saying, but before we deal with racism out there, uh, prejudice, prejudice uh, at my university, in my region, in my city, let's start with the racism, the partiality uh, that's in our own heart. And so the, the book of James actually calls out what the, the sin of partiality. You could make the case that racism is partiality by pigmentation. I heard a pastor say that one time. Hmm. And so the idea would be the, the first place we're going to start is just in our own hearts. And we've got to examine, uh, do I possess any prejudices? Uh, do I possess uh, any misunderstandings when it comes to people who are different than me? They might belong to a different city. Uh, they might belong to a different class. Uh, they may even belong to a different racial group. But what are the misunderstandings, the partiality that exists in my very own heart? Yeah, man, that's that's so good. And, and the reality is you're not going to just know that. You really got to do some self-examination to figure that out. And, and maybe even have some, some hard conversations with people who aren't like you. I mean, you re- like to, to discover that within your own heart, you really got to go into the depths of your own heart to, to try to figure that out. Very much so. And th- that really brings us to point number two. So I start with myself. I eliminate any sort of partiality in my own heart. But number two, I refuse to love from a distance. Okay, refuse to love from a distance. Galatians 6 says this, that says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, the law of Christ is something that Jesus repeats all throughout the Gospels. I'll just summarize it this way. The law of Christ is to love God and love other people. And so what's interesting in this verse in Galatians, it says that oftentimes if you're committed to loving other people, it feels like you're bearing a burden. And we all know what a burden is. Yeah. It's something that's heavy and it's something that's weighty. Okay, A burden in the ancient Near East was something you would place on your shoulders. Right. Think, think of, you know, if you don't skip leg day, you get on the squat rack and put 300 pounds on your shoulders when, when you're going to, you know, you got your big day on campus and you got all your textbooks in the backpack, <laughs> that's what a burden feels like. Sure. And so do, do you understand what Scripture is saying? It's saying that a lot of times we tend to romanticize what it looks like to love other people or to be a part of racial justice. But what Scripture is actually saying, most days that experience is pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be hard. It can be difficult. It can strain you. It can wear you down. Yeah. And, and, and so another thing that we're instructed to do in Scripture is weep with those who weep and grieve with those who grieve. It's going to take on a, a toll on you physically but also emotionally uh, as people that we know and love are affected by the sin of racism or prejudice. And so we've just got to remember uh, black, white, Hispanic, Asian believers, we are all part of the same body of Christ, right? We're all part of the same family. God is our Father. We are brothers and sisters and, and so when we're close, when we're in proximity, that leads to empathy. Anytime that we're distanced or spread out, that leads to suspicion. And mm-hmm. so it's important that we develop meaningful relationships with people who are different than us. Because okay. yeah. God made us, in many ways, we're, we're like Bluetooth speakers, okay? I'm not the most tech-savvy guy, okay? But here's what I know about a Bluetooth speaker. I can speaker. confirm that. Okay? You, you, the, the speaker has got to be close to the phone, right? It's got to be close to the laptop, if it's too far, it doesn't function, it doesn't operate yeah, properly. loses the signal. That's right. And this is how God has designed the body of Christ, this family. So what, what, one good audit uh, to do in your life is do a relational audit. Take, actually take inventory. When I look at my text messages, when I look at my phone calls, when I think about my social calendar, am I putting myself in social situations where I'm getting to know people who look different than me? And I would just say, once again, this takes uh, some courage very often t- we think that people don't want to talk about these things. 
that this might trigger, cause frustration, cause anxiety, or cause outrage. But what I would say is when you actually address people who are different than you and ask them, what has your experience been like? Uh, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? It actually leads to really productive dialogue. Sure. I will say, though, use it, have an element of wisdom in that, too, because I think, especially in today's world, like it, there's, there's just a lot of examples of, for example, here in America where uh, there's been a lot of uh, political unrest, a lot of racial unrest. A lot of times I've heard ex- so many stories of another white guy going to a, a black person and asking them, about their experience, but they don't have any sort of actual relationship. So I would just encourage you, especially, especially if you're white, like don't just try to have that conversation on the, f- the first time you hang out with someone. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Exercise wisdom and prudence. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just think, uh, like it's, it's okay to be curious and it's okay to want to, especially if you feel like, man, I don't know anything about this stuff. I've, I've talked with several, uh, white friends of mine, white Christians of mine who, don't even know where to start, and that's okay, uh, but don't think like you're going to get a crash course on all this stuff in a few days and be a master of it by just asking a few people that you don't even have a relationship with, you know? Uh, I just, I feel like that's so important to say, so um, hope you don't mind me inter- interjecting with that one, Ben, but... Very good. Yeah, I think that's important, um, and and yeah, man, especially, you know, uh, thinking about your third point here, Ben, um, c- courageously confronting fellow believers, man. I think that's so important for us to uh, to actually do. Um, so let's kind of talk about that one. Yeah, that's that. that so we're, we're kind of broadening our circle right here. We've talked about how we can possess partiality in our own heart. We need to develop diverse relationships, but we also need to recognize that, unfortunately, uh, there there is sin, there is prejudice, even in the church. And, sure, and, and the Bible is full of it. Um, one of the things that we've rest, referenced in our past podcast was that there was a dividing wall of hostility in the temple. And so, almost like an ancient version of Jim Crow, there was segregated uh, worship uh, e- e- even in Jesus' day. Right. Uh, there's actually a story in the book of Acts where uh, Paul, an apostle, confronts a fellow apostle, Peter, who is a leader uh, in the Jewish church, for demonstrating uh, you know, favoritism and, and prejudice. Uh, Dr. King was famous for saying that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour uh, in, in America. And so unfortunately, um, the sin of prejudice, it's not just out there, right? right? It's not just in the world. It's not just in the culture. It's not just in the city. It's also uh, in our church. And so even in the church, even our leaders, even denominations, unfortunately, we have blind spots. And so as Christians, we need to be uh, committed to lovingly, generously, but courageously confronting other believers and, and, and calling things out as we see it, okay? And, and at the same time, all right, the church has never been perfect, okay? But, but we, we do, do need to reclaim um, just uh, a, a sense of justice in these conversations, we need to bring them back within the walls of the church. Uh, as, if you've paid attention to these last two podcasts, you are realizing the Bible has a lot to say uh, uh, right. about injustice and race. And, and I would just say, unfortunately, while I undoubtedly totally affirm the sentence, Black Lives Matter, in, in fact, if you listen to last week, 
the Bible would say black lives more than matter. Black lives are val- extremely valuable. They're, right. they're priceless because black men, black women are made in the very image of God. All right? So they have inherent dignity and value. Right. But a lot of people right now are making comparisons between the Black Lives Matter movement or organization and the civil rights movement led by Dr. King in the 60s. And there are some similarities on the, different, uh, on the surface, but there's also some pretty significant differences. And, and, and the uh, civil rights movement was really based in the church. Very often prior to a protest, uh, marchers would meet together. Uh, they would read and meditate the word, on the words of Jesus. They would spend time in prayer, and then they would pick up their picket signs. They would participate in the sit-in. Uh, the, the Black Lives Matter organization, I'm not talking about the sentiment or the statement, but the actual organization, is actually built more on what is called critical race theory. And I know that's a big word. You can Google it. You can d- do a deep dive on that. But, but whereas the civil rights movement was really built on the words, the life, the practice of Jesus, the Black Lives Matter, and this is straight from their website, okay, right. the organization is explicit about these things, is built more on the words of Karl Marx, okay? So go back to high school class and the Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx and his um, teaching on uh, oppression is actually where they develop a lot of their tenets and a lot of their thinking. And so whereas Black Lives Matter would desire to deconstruct um, kind of some of our social institutions, Dr. King and the Civil Rights Movement, they were led by pastors, they were led by reverends, they were led by men and women who loved the Word of God. And their aims were always to bring correction, okay, Uh, and oftentimes very sharp correction uh, to to our country. In a sense, what they referenced, they said, look— Um, Our our founding charter states that all men are created equal. This is biblical language. Let's live up to the standards of our forefathers, if that makes sense. And so it was a call for correction. It was a call to live up to the biblical but also constitutional standard of our nation. So this is why it's so important as believers. We got a lot to say because the Bible has a lot to say. Um, about race and social justice. And so the final thing I would just remind us is just of the gospel, okay? We've, we've issued this call as believers uh, to not be partial, to not love from a distance, to be willing to take a risk and courageously confront. And the main reason why we do these things is because Jesus wasn't partial towards us, was he? Okay? I mean, what if Jesus was partial? He would have never sacrificed or died on our behalf. In fact, the book of Romans says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus loves us with an impartial love. What if Jesus loved from a distance? The book of Philippians actually says that Jesus left heaven. He came to earth. He put on flesh, okay, even though he was in the form of God, and he died experiencing death on a cross. So Jesus just said, I'm not going to love you from a distance. I'm going to leave the comfort of heaven. I'm going to enter into your world. I'm going to put on flesh because I love you so much. How can we love from a distance if we have a Savior who came and saved us? And then finally, why do we confront believers? Because Jesus confronts our sin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, G- Jesus confronts and says, I'm going to change you. I'm going to remake you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to make you more like me. So ultimately, what drives us, what motivates us, once again, each and every week, we're bringing it back to the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's got to be Jesus at the center it's got to be Jesus at the forefront, man. If That's you, right. If you want to experience that true transformation in your own heart, but also in the lives of your friends, in the lives of your 
classmates, lives of your family members, you know? Um, so Ben, good word, man. I'm glad we got to have this conversation. We probably need to, uh, cut it off here for time's sake. Um, any last words before we, uh, head on out of here? That's it. Like we always say, subscribe and hope you guys will tune in next week. Amen. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, for my good friend, Ben, this is T-Roll signing off and we will see you guys next time for the Campus Outreach Podcast.